BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello everyone, it's Marcos Villegas, founder of Fight Up TV. Today's guest is former unified welterweight champion of the world, Keith, one-time Thurman. I had a chance to sit down with Keith a few weeks back to talk about his return to the ring after a two-year and seven-month layoff as he's now scheduled to face Mario Barrios on February 5th on Fox Pay-Per-View. Thurman opens up on fans counting him out in his return. Rival Sean Porter retiring, wanting to face the best in his division, Canelo Alvarez moving to cruiserweight and makes it clear the story of Keith Thurman is not over. Hey, what's up, everybody? Marcos Villegas here in Tampa, Florida at the St. Pete Boxing Club with Mr. Keith One-Time Thurman, who just finished a hard sparring session. We're seeing, you know, you're, you're getting geared to uh, return sometime in January. Keith, how have you been, man? And uh, you look like you're, you're geared up, ready to return. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it's been great being back in the ring. I've been, you know, in and out of the gym with COVID and everything, wondering uh, when a great opportunity would arise for me to get back. I was really trying to get back on this year's calendar, but I went to go work the Pacquiao fight, came home with COVID from Vegas, really set me off. And then once when I talked to Al, you know, we didn't put a big thing on social media. I didn't really talk a lot about it, but that's one of the reasons why we got pushed back into the first quarter of next year. But we got a lot of great things uh, plan for next year. Uh, we really just want to get back, and then really all the champions are on the board. Uh, Ugas, Crawford, Spence is really what I'm geared up for coming the summer of 2022. Yeah, a lot of people were wondering what happened with that last year, like with you uh, not fighting. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had uh, excuse me, that you got COVID. So it kind of makes sense as to why you didn't have a fight during that later part of the year. Yeah, you know, and I was pretty isolated working um, the. Um, televised gig up in the booth there you know we were pretty isolated and everything but you know uh, I'm pretty sure you were there and Vegas was just lit you know the day before I was at the MGM Grand all the fans wanted to approach me all the Filipino fans masked down taking pictures shaking hands you know and it just felt so great to be back out it felt great to be back at the MGM Grand it felt great to see all those fans to get the love from the Filipinos to get the love from everybody who supports me uh, in my career and loves what I bring to the table in the Walter Waite division. So it just was, you, and you know me, you've seen me for many years. I'm very humble. I'm down to earth and I just love the people. So it was really hard for me to isolate myself. I wanted to give them my time and uh, it ultimately set me back a little bit more, but now we're geared up. We got uh, three sparring partners in the ring today. 
uh, three rounds each. Just a little nice light work for today. We're going to be pushing ourselves harder as the weeks go by. And I'm um, looking forward to my return to the ring. It's been a long time coming. Um, not what I wanted. But, um, you know, once we're back, we're back. It's been rumored that you're going to potentially fight Mario Barrios. He last fought uh, Gervonta Davis uh, a few months ago last year. W what do you make overall uh, of that fight? And is that likely that you are going to go into a fight with him? Uh, yes, Barrio seems like the guy that they're locking in. Um, he seems to like the fight, like the opportunity. He wants to move up. Uh, he's got the size, you know. He still has a height reach advantage over me for somebody moving up. Um, you know, I, I don't underestimate lightweight fighters. Just took my first L to a lightweight. Um, you know, lightweights bring a different dynamic. They normally have good speed. Um, they normally... Uh, have good movement from being those lighter fighters and having a little bit of a faster tempo um, on average. And then, you know, honestly, he's just got a great record. You know, uh, I was presented a few names. His record was the best. Um, he's a former champion. I'm a former champion. And I just think we can make a good fight out of it. When you look at the fight that he had with Gervonta, like, what did you make overall the, the, of the skills that he displayed in that fight and just overall like the skills that he has as a fighter? So I haven't been able to break down that fight yet. I will at some time in the camp. Um, all I was able to peep online was the highlights, which um, favored Gervonta, um, preferably in that film. So I didn't get to see what I needed to see out of um, Barrios. But the first thing that I saw is that for somebody who has height and reach, um, he likes to squat down. He likes to come down. Um, to the shorter guy's level, you know, and um, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, uh, he seems to have a nice left hook like myself. He likes to really throw that left hook. Um, um, he likes to dig to the body. I can't, I can only assume that somebody's going to be in his ear and say, Thurman's body's weak. Thurman's body's weak. You got to dig, champ. You got to dig. You know, so I'm looking forward to some of that uh, back and forth batter. What do you make of people always bringing that up? You know, hey, man, look, <laughs> at the end of the Who day, was that? That was the Colazzo fight, right? There was a Colazzo yeah. fight. Uh, Pacquiao landed Pacquiao, little, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the 10th round or so. You know, look, man, you land a good shot, you land a good shot. Yeah. You land a good body shot, it's different than every other shot, you know, um, because we, there's degrees of, of pain. This is the Thurman uh, breakdown when it comes to pain management in the ring, right? Punch number one, fly. Eh, slapper, don't feel nothing. I'll eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Punch number two, snapper, bing, kind of makes you say, hmm, that had something to it. Punch number three, the, the rattle, you know, the rattlesnake, boom, or the bell ringer, ding, and, and you feel like Looney Tunes, they put the bell over your head and someone hit the hammer and all of a sudden you're going, Bwah. but the beauty of that is only you know, that's the beauty of that punch, so you can get, we call it rocked, you can get rocked upside your head, but your legs don't buckle, and because your legs don't buckle, you get to, you get to be like Phil Ivey and give them the poker face, you know what I'm saying, give them the poker face, keep your hands up, and they don't know, they just hurt you, they don't know how much damage they just did, that happened to Porter, that happened to to um, um, uh, that guy right there from Argentina, uh, Diego Chavez. Diego Chavez rocked me. Um, he busted my nose, but that wasn't the, the punch. 12 seconds later, he hit me with a check hook and it made my big toe numb. He didn't know. 12 seconds later, I was back in the fight and all the damage was done. So, you know, you get those punches. You can recover from all those. Then you get the body shot that 
that hurts. There's a body shot that this is what you feel. You feel someone hit your body. Then you got the body shot that actually dug into you, took a little wind out of you, and there's a little voice that says, nah, motherfucker, you know, and, and that one right there, you can still survive that. And that's what I've had to take in my career. I've had to take those motherfucking body shots, you know, and they're digging, but I know for a fact, if it had three more pounds of pressure into that punch, it's... It's a down on your knee. You need to take the breather, you know, but I endure as a fighter. I, I maximize my pain threshold. You must go beyond a certain limit to put me down, you know, even to the body. There has to be a certain limit. So once you hit that limit, boom, you see fighters drop. You hit fighters on the chinny chin. You can hit them on the chin. And their legs buckle, but they come back up, but they look like a frail deer who just got out of the womb. They look like Bambi legs, you know, but they're still up for a second, you know. Boom, that's the chin toucher, right? But if you touch that chin any harder, and they just collapse. Boom. So it's, it's not just your ability to take a punch, but when you get hit with those punches that do damage, but don't automatically drop you, how do you fight? How do you survive? You know, and for me, I dog them out, man. I dog them out. I've always dogged them out. I've been, I've been rocked um, coming up in this game from many great fighters, many great champions, um, many great sparring sessions. And due to that, I have experience on how to handle myself in a hurt situation, you know, uh, because when you're not at your best and you're in a vulnerable position, it's really up to the fighter and the spirit that he has and the will that he has to continue the fight on whether or not he's going to make it out of that round, you know, whether he does use holding tactics, whether they move around the ring like I choose to do um, and all the defensive mechanisms that they have or poker face it and act like you're not hurt even when you are hurt. So it, it's it's that part right there is something you really can't teach. It's just something that has to be in the spirit of the fighter and manifest in the fight. And I've shown my spirit. I've shown my fighter spirit many times, and I will continue, continuously do it if my opponent forces that out of me. Based on that, then, I know a lot of people have questioned your spirit in recent years. Like, oh, is Keith the same fighter? Does he have the same hunger, the same desire? You know, what do you make of people bringing that up, saying, like, oh, he's not the same Keith from before, from, like, maybe four years ago, five years ago? You know... And the great philosophy of Buddha, all is impermanent. Who you are today is not who you were yesterday, right? So we have to evolve. We have to accept change. You're going to be hungry, you're going to eat, and your hunger is going to subside. And we know this, right? But more than the hunger of who Keith Thurman was in his early 20s to who I am today, I love boxing. I fight with a passion. Every time I'm in the ring, I'm living my dream. And that's what I remind myself. I chose this path. Nobody chose it for me. I continue to walk this path. This is the fav my favorite thing in life is to participate in this beautiful sport called boxing. You know? So I don't worry about outside perspective on who Keith Thurman is. You know? Um, 
a lot of people don't come to St. Pete Boxing Gym. A lot of people don't see the, the, the sweat and the drip drip and, and the weight training and the dieting and everything that I sacrificed for my career. And I'm not over. It's not over. Um, I believe that all the performances that I've had up until this date, including the unification uh, against Danny Garcia, I still don't believe that I presented the best Keith Thurman that there is. And before my career is over, I feel obligated to myself to do that. So that, like I always said, win, lose, or draw, I'm going to hold my head up high, right? Because it's about me living my dream and me putting my best foot forward, me challenging all these fighters in the welterweight division, and these fighters also challenging me. And then at the end of the day, let the best man win. At this point uh, of your career, Keith, what's the goal for this year? What's the goal for you know, the next few years? Like, well, what is it that's driving you at this point? At this point, we really just have to be active to the end. You know, uh, we, we missed a lot of time, um, and we acknowledge that. Uh, everything that's happened with me as a professional athlete is not ideal for any athlete, was not blueprinted in my um, plan book. But where we are today is where we are today. We can only work from here to get to tomorrow. And I'm truly dedicated and obligated to, to strive for greatness, you know, um, I know that there's champions in the welterweight division that are still undefeated champions. Um, and I, I believe that everybody can be defeated. At the end of the day, I just want to put my best foot forward. I want to challenge all these great fighters. I still believe that it's Thurman versus everybody. I believe that I have the potential to make some of the most exciting fights in the welterweight division. And that's what I want to do. I want to do it for myself. I want to do it for the current champions. And I want to do it for the fans. I want to do it for the sport, for the network. You know, I want to do it for my legacy. You know, I want to do it uh, for my child that's seven months years old, you know, but the story of Keith Thurman is not over. For those who think it's over, it's not over. It hasn't begun. It's always been in the works, but we're just shifting gears. We're shifting gears. I'm 33 now. I step into the ring with a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more knowledge, you know. Um, I've experienced many things. Uh, being hurt to the body, being hurt to the head. I've been through my uh, first career loss. You know, the only thing I've, that's never happened to me is Keith Thurman's never been knocked out, you know? So at the end of the day, I just have the desire to continuously go through this brutal sport of boxing, and I want to push myself to the end, you know? Um, it really hit home to get Sean Porter's announcement. Yeah, you know, you touched on that and it just popped in my mind. It really, it really hit home, man. Um, you know, um, salute, salute Sean. You know, you had a tremendous career. You did many great things. You were a great rival, rival. You know, you've been my number one rival for many years. Um, in and outside of the ring, suit game, everything, baby. You know, um, um, so, mad, so mad love and, and many blessings to you and your beautiful children in your future. Um, so, but it really just hit home for me because at the age of 33, um, I, I remind myself daily that I'm closer to retirement today than I've ever been in my professional career, you know? Um, starting boxing at the age of seven, starting competing at the age of nine, when Ben Getty at the age of 13 said, one day you can be world champion, boy. One day you're going to be on TV, boy. One day you're going to be a million dollar fighter, boy. It's all right around the corner. It's all right around the corner, you know? 
that corner done passed. We, we've been on TV. We've been champion. We've been unified champion. Uh, we've been a seven-figure fighter. We've been on pay-per-view. But the, my story's not over. You know, the, the upside to the downside of inactivity is I haven't beaten my body up. And that's why I have more. For those who question, do I have more? Thurman didn't beat his body up. I have more. I'm 33 years old. I have more to give. I'm, my body's in better um, shape now than it's been in the past when it comes to overall health. And I look forward to presenting that uh, in this coming year, 2022. Curious, because we're bringing up Sean and his retirement. What did you make of that fight that he had with Crawford? Um, you know... He started off good, you know, he started off in um, typical Sean Porter fashion, like some of the commentators were saying. Uh, I thought um, Crawford really looked like he was just trying to land counters. He was whiffing uh, quick check hooks, missing them, whiffing uppercuts, missing them. Uh, and then as the rounds went on, I saw both fighters slow down and... When Crawford actually slowed down, he was doing better because he was actually able to hit the target now. When he was, when he was being flinchy and reactive, he, he wasn't as accurate. When he settled down a little bit, and um, because they both settled down because five rounds went by, five rounds went by and you're naturally going to slow down to a degree, uh, his, his timing got activated. So he, his, he, wasn't, he wasn't flinching and he was placing. And I started to see that shift around fifth round, sixth round. And I thought to myself, uh, Crawford's going to take the second half of this fight. You know, uh, then Sean really uh, didn't seem like he was in the best shape. You know, you asked the uh, commentators from ESPN, they say that was the greatest performance in Sean Porter's career. And I beg to differ, you know, not just because I fought Sean Porter, but I just believe that his performances against Thurman, his performances against Errol Spence, and especially the Spence fight. I mean, uh, it was right after the Pacquiao fight, which was a tremendous fight in 2019 of the summer. And I thought it was going to be a hard fight to follow up when it comes to entertainment. And I know Sean was capable of it, but we've seen what Sean did to Danny. We've seen what he did to Ugas. And we know that sometimes he doesn't put it all out there. But he did against Spence, and I thought that was one of his best performances of his career, even though he fell short of victory on that fight. Um, so, and I pre-predicted that if Crawford was going to get him, it was going to be a step back left uppercut. That was based off of sty styles and how Sean's constantly leaning in, and it really played out just like that. I was a little, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised, but then I wasn't surprised because. I already predicted uh, Sean consistently was doing what he was doing without making any changes and adjustments. And for Crawford, it allowed him to settle in and, and capitalize, especially in the later rounds when Sean's legs were not um, as, um, as sharp as they were in the opening four or five rounds. Um, it was a great performance by both fighters. Um, I think uh, Crawford... Definitely had to battle it out. He had to endure because that's the thing about a Porter fight is you're not going to get to the end. You're not going to get that victory if you cannot endure what Sean Porter dishes out. We, we saw Kel Brook endure. We saw me endure. We saw uh, Errol Spence endure. So the beauty is that he did make a statement by being the first person to stop Sean Porter. But for whatever reason, it wasn't terrifying 
um, to all the commentators from ESPN. You know, they said every welterweight's moving up to 54. You know, it was not scary. All right, it was not a rated R movie. I was not frightened. Okay, um, if anything. I still believe that I present more than what Sean did. Of course, we know Crawford is a talented individual. We know that there's an uncrowned king in the welterweight division, but that's why it's uncrowned. Don't go crowning anybody yet, you know? Let's, let's make these fights happen. I know you, you did an interview or I saw like a news thing that you, you do want a, a Crawford fight. You said, you know, get a fight in and then at the end of the year you would like that. Is that still, you're looking at that as your plan to like, go with Crawford at the end of the year, or do you think him and Arrow will end up fighting in, in, during that space of time? So I obviously cannot stop other people from um, putting fights together, right? But if Thurman could have it Thurman's way, what it comes down to is getting back in the ring, getting an exciting fight, putting on an exciting performance, showing people um, – what it looks like to watch Keith Thurman in the ring after so many years to remind the people who Keith Thurman is and what I bring to the welterweight division. And then from there, it's Ugas, Spence, and Crawford. It's all the champions. I don't have a belt right now. I want a belt back, you know. So all three of those guys are legitimate. I think you would agree that they're legitimate for a fight this up-and-coming summer. If I fight in the first quarter at the start of 2022, I can take a fight by July. You know, the Porter fight, you mentioned something interesting. Um, and I think post fight, he said that he'd already had this idea of retiring. And like Tim uh, Bradley uh, said, like, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. But he also said that about you as well. I just want to get your like response to that. Him saying that he feels that you're like one foot in, one foot out at this stage of your career. Uh, no, you know, I know that retirement is down the line, you know, um, I still feel, because of where we're at in the welterweight division, that we will make great fights happen very soon. Um, the fans have been, it's been on demand for a long time. Not, it's not on demand quite on the networks yet, but it's been on demand from the fight fans. They want to see these great fights. They want to see um, an undisputed champion. And I think all that is in the works within the up and coming 12 to 14 maximum 16 months there's been there's there's been there's been enough time there's been plenty of time that's gone by without this happening it's time for this to happen so i really think it can be wrapped up in 12 to 14 months you know it's just a matter of making all these fights back to back to back which will be very exciting um and and that's what i'm looking forward to so uh back to timothy bradley's comment i got all my feet in you know because i want to get right back in the race you know, and you can put the champions in front of me and they deserve it. But don't act like Thurman's not in the back and it's not that one horse that might sprint his way back to the front. You know, um, and that's my whole goal. My whole goal is to live this dream of mine, to do the best, to be the undisputed Walter Waite champion of the world, um, get a title back, reunify and become undisputed. So whatever opportunities I get that helped me get a belt back if I fight Spence. He has two belts, you know. So whatever I can do, I want to do this year. I want to make it happen um, because enough time has gone by, and these are great fights, um, so they should manifest. Do you ever think, like, man, I was so close. Like, you, you were so close to achieving that goal when you had the WBC and the WBA. Uh, yeah, that was, um, that was annoying, though, because, you know, I definitely um, had the injuries and there wasn't a lot that I could do about it. 
Um, I was friendly to the game and I vacated a title so I didn't have to go through the political structure of being stripped of, of world titles. Um, and, and, and I didn't want to have a monopoly on the belts when there were willing fighters to fight. Um, I love the sport. I love the competition. I don't back away from competition. Um, so I'm just not going to be a hog like that. And, you know, I reflected a few times, but that was years ago. Um, and, of course, the whole goal was to get past Pacquiao and then go right to Spence. So that's why uh, we, didn't, we didn't manifest what we wanted at that time, but we're still in a great position. All we have to do is brush off the dust, present ourselves to the world of boxing again, and then get everybody excited of what Keith Thurman has to offer when it comes to challenging Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, and Ugas. So no, no, like, it, that's the goal. Those three guys, like, no, like, because I, I know, like, Tank was thrown around, and Leonard's like, oh, we'll take that fight right away. Like, you think your focus is just welterweights, like, no other. It was like me and Leonard talking shit, because he's, <laughs> he's the one who really started all the comments, you know. It had Someone tweeted with, to him or something. To, he tweeted, first <laughs> off. You know what I'm saying? Leonard Ellaby tweeted, you know. So Leonard knows. He just has tremendous faith and confidence in his fighter, Tank Davis. You know, we're in different divisions. He's doing his thing. Uh, he's got a great career. And one day he might be a valid opponent in the welterweight division. But I didn't see it at that time. I don't see it at this time. Um, but, you know, it was just fun, man. I mean, I was just telling Leonard, like, you know, you better check yourself and check your boy. And then he was talking all that nanosecond stuff. And I said, send me the contract. You know, I DM'd him on IG. said, where's it at? Where's it at? His, I sent him my number. Call me. Never got a call. You know what I'm saying? Because it didn't matter. You know, it was it was it was just it, he was just tweeting. He was just he was just thinking out loud. You know. Um, uh, but you know, uh, Tank's a great fighter. You know, if anything, I'm, I'm fighting somebody he beat. So we'll get a measuring stick. And my my uh, performance. You know, if you want to cross reference as. Um, analytical people like yourself love to do you know uh but at the end of the at the end of the day i love great fights man you know that i love great fights i love entertaining fights and that's all that i want to bring to the, the welterweight division so it's not out of the question but it doesn't seem very likely yeah it doesn't it's not a it's not a in the now um i'm definitely focused on all the champions at 147 uh you know they keep talking. I can keep talking. We can, we can have a love-hate relationship. It doesn't matter, you know, because I don't really hate Tank for no reason. You know, um, I, I respect him a lot, and I love what he does in his division. Leonard Ellerby crossed, crossed the line. If anything, let's, let's, um, let's fight on Triller or whoever's uh, the, the Jake Pauls. Let's do me and Ellerby. Let me just punch Ellerby and then the, the problem's solved because he's the one running his mouth. You know, so if I punch Ellerby, then everything's solved. You know, I think he's trying to fight Eddie Hearn. <laughs> he's trying to fight Eddie Hearns. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do a, a, a three way rumble and, and we can we can make it happen. <laughs> Keith, you know, uh, on a final subject, I'm just because you're so good with uh, your, your takes on this. Canelo moving up to cruiserweight. He's gotten a lot of ish from some fans, but I think a majority like look at it like, man, this is hard like moving up weight classes and and taking on champions is a little difficult what do you make of him moving up to cruiserweight and fighting the uh the champion potentially uh makabu uh it probably you know has a lot to do with um him having ruiz in camp um and he probably upped his confidence on being in the ring sparring bigger guys you know um sparring heavyweights so in his mind if i can spar a heavyweight i can fight a cruiserweight you know 
Um, and, and that's just me from my perspective on why would Canelo truly step into this with confidence and how could a fighter make those kind of moves with that much confidence you know I, I would say that that would probably play a big factor because you you take you take fi a fighter like uh, Ruiz out of his camp then where does the thought even come from who's even putting that those kind of thoughts into his ear right um, another thing we know when you become the undisputed you have to pay all the sanctioning bodies and people of his caliber and making his money um, we never like paying taxes and we don't like being taxed four ways by uh, three or four ways by the different sanctioning bodies. Uh, Winky Wright was notorious for that when he unified and uh, when he became the undisputed champion at 154 there was an article uh, in the Tampa Bay Times of him holding all three belts over a trash can. You know, he said, I'm just walking away from him. He wanted to step away from him, you know. Um, and at a certain point, we know in the sport that eventually uh, a fighter's name can be above a belt, you know. But for the common people, they don't know much about boxing. They hear the word champion. They understand the significance. They don't have to fully understand and fully envelop what a world champion is in boxing, what the WBA, IBF, triple cd they don't need to understand those things <laughs> but at the end of the day they hear the word champion and it and it just rings you know you're you're driving down the road um come in saturday night at your local arena we have championship boxing and it, and it just resonates to a certain degree that this is a high caliber sporting event and and that's why we aspire to be champions to get this recognition to excite the people um and things of that fashion but Canelo he's a little bit uh, beyond that you know he's um, the the Mexican King uh, um, he's a very proud fighter he's accomplished so much and um, he he can do whatever he wants so if this is what he wants to do that's what he's gonna do and if he accomplishes it it's just gonna go on the resume of all his other great accolades throughout his career so you know from that perspective where a lot of people are looking forward to seeing if he's able to make this happen similar to when Roy Jones Jr. Uh, became heavyweight yeah let me ask you this uh, this is a statement I've seen by a lot of fans and just want to get your perspective as a fighter because I think you have a lot more perspective knowing like it's difficult to move up in weight classes but fans uh, some fans are saying he, he's picking the easiest guy moving up and he's also like evading fights with the Charlo and with the Benavides by doing that yes um, I can give you a triple yes but so what <laughs> you know um, he's Canelo you know the people love him um, he's got a, a huge following uh, he's brought tons of excitement uh, you can, you can say he's cherry-picked a little bit, um, but he's kind of learned from the best. You know, he got beat by Floyd, um, and now he's starting to make money like Floyd uh, when he got that big contract that, you know, he had lawsuits with and a whole bunch of ups and downs and this and that. Are there, are there greater challengers out there for Canelo Alvarez? Most definitely. Are there fights that I would truly love to see? Most definitely. Are there... Um, super talented individuals that might be able to give him problems definitely you know does he have to do any of those things no and absolutely not and you know if he says no bueno it's no bueno 
if 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 he says uh you know muy bien then you know so be it whatever he wants to do what he likes to do what makes him want to get out of bed and excited and elevate himself in his career that's what he's gonna do um there might be a time and a place for obviously he does not belong at cruiserweight he needs to jump in and jump out of that you know what i mean so hopefully he jumps out and um comes back and and will challenge himself uh, to some of those fights, Benavidez, Charlos, that are out there, Boo Boo, um, that are out there that, that we have not seen out of a Canelo Alvarez. There's many different styles that he's yet to face um, that I believe are some of the most exciting fights in that division that could manifest. But just because of his status and his superstardom, um, he gets to entertain the world the way that he chooses fit. So, and, and at a certain degree, you just have to respect that because it's, it's not every day. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and effort to build yourself up to get to that level. So when a fighter finally achieves that level and that status and they want to hold on to it and manipulate the industry a little bit, um, you, to me, you can be mad, you can be sad, but then you got to put a dash of respect on the game too. My whole thing on, on, on that is, like, if it was so easy, like, why aren't the other fighters doing it? And, like, at the end of the day, I, like, the guy that he's fighting, yeah, okay, like, skill-wise, he's probably not on Canelo's level. That's probably why they're picking him. But, like, he still outweighs him, like, 30 pounds, like, on, on fight night. Like, that, that still has to account for so That's still, a, like, a, an extremely dangerous situation to put yourself in as a fighter. Like, you get cracked with one, and you do get hit in boxing. You get cracked with one, you're going to get put on your butt. Yeah, I mean, everything... Um I mean, it's just a dangerous sport, you know. It's still a champion. The guy got there some way, somehow, right? The guy got there some way, somehow. Um, and it's really, it's the resume, you know. It's, it's not every day you see a fighter like Canelo that, you know, what, he fought Floyd at like 52 because they did a catch weight. They fought at like, he didn't want to fight at 54. They fought at like 52 or something. So, you know, I think that might have been the lowest he ever had to step on a scale. Um, you know, as on his televised, you know, early on in Mexico, he, he started young and I bet he was a smaller guy. But when we were familiarized with who Canelo Alvarez truly was, um, the, the redheaded, fiery sensation, uh, 52 to Cruiser, I mean, that's, a, that's, something, to, that's something to really watch. That's something to put on his resume in the history books. He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. And that's all he's, That's the way I see it. He's really just upping his accolades and saying, I did this, who else did it? You know, and there's not many people throughout the history. You know, there's probably, probably like only maybe a few names throughout the history, probably less than five to uh, do such a thing. Uh, now, uh, finally, Keith, you know, back to you. Uh, how important is it for you when you return to, to show uh, like a spectacular performance and also like to like how like do, do you feel like uh, extra motivation seeing that you had all this time off to like kind of explode back onto the scene and, and remind people like, hey, I, I've been here. There's still a lot left of me, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's all about excitement. You know um, what I love the most about performing is the feedback from the fans and there are people who said man i watched your fight the other day the fight with pacquiao and he goes man i know that was in 2019 but while i was watching it it just felt live you know because that's how pulled in he was you know and i just love that kind of feedback where people are just saying how i'm exciting 
you know, I'm truly exciting to watch. Um, you know, I'm always just trying to do my best. I'm always trying to maneuver in the ring um, to expose my opponent's weaknesses and um, and just be victorious at the end of the day. But some way, somehow, to know that what I do is pleasing to the spectator, I'm that I'm prideful in that. I really am happy about those things and I want to continuously be that kind of guy. I remember when I got the Pacquiao fight, I said, I'm not going to fight like Adrian Broner. I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to wait to counter. I'm going to, I mean, this is a legend. I want to have a legendary fight. I want to go toe to toe with him and I just want to have a great fight. And I was able to do that. At the end of the day, I didn't get the decision that I was looking for, but I was able to um, put out there uh, a fight that was great for me. Uh, great for him and great for everybody who was in the arena that night. Thank you so much for listening to us on Fight Up TV. If you enjoyed this, leave us a five-star review. It would really help us out a lot. Stay up to date with us as well via social media and follow us on at Fight Up TV. Thank you.